Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Hello, Erin. Hello, my darling. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing. We're doing another Friday night. So, you know, mm-hmm. post, post-work post vibes really got me drowsy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I commend you for still getting through a whole day in a corporate work environment. I don't know. LOL. <laughs> LOL, me corporate. <laughs> um, wow. No, thank you. <laughs> but yes. Oh my God. It was just, a, it was a long day. And then I get, I get so like overwhelmed when I come from work and then I'm like, well, I need to eat. I haven't eaten all day. And well, I mean, I have eaten at some point, but getting home late and I'm like, well, I got to hurry up and eat and cook and, get on the recording so takes up and i feel very rushed i need to decompress Mm. Mm. and what better way to decompress than getting my blood boiling again oh love that it's a perfect this is exactly what i would say decompression is right (laughs) precisely this is exactly what you're supposed to do yeah um so this week we're gonna talk about fat phobia uh but before we dive in I want to give a content warning to any of our listeners. We're going to talk about food and bodies and all that stuff and how the world perceives fat people and, you know, any of those things. If they're triggering to you, just don't listen this week. It's so fine. We get it. You have to take care of yourself. Um, We're not going to be upset and we'll see you next week. Well, I mean, we won't see them. Well, Okay. They won't. They don't even see us. That's true. Which is weird. It feels weird to like not, and because I do think of it sometimes for like the podcasts that I listen to, that I get to know these people and feel like I know them, and all of a sudden see a picture of them on social media or something, and I'm like, wait, what? That's what you. That's not what I conjured up. Yeah. I always have like an off-brand version of what the people actually look like. Oh, that's such a good way to phrase that. Yes, it's so whatever off-brand version of us is in your head, we'll see you next time. Or (laughs) you're still sticking around because if you're still here at this point, like you probably didn't click away. (laughs) Fair, fair. Alrighty. Yeah, so on that same note, I want to do a little bit of framing of this conversation because we're talking about fat phobia, um, which is uh, inherently focuses on the physical bodies that we inhabit and the way society perceives us. Um, And society, in most cases, more or less, would not perceive us as fat people. Um, And so we want to make it clear that we're not trying to take up that space as like fat people talking about fat phobia, but that fat phobia is something that is so prevalent in society and literally in just about everything. Um, And we're going to talk about it because it still has affected us and we still think it is super important to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's always what we strive to do and what we hope is clear that we're always speaking from personal experience and how we take space um take up space in the world so we're certainly not trying to um you know overstep but although neither of us are really seen as fat we both are not perceived as like 
skinny either. We're both thick women. Mm. <laughs> um, so I, I like to consider myself slim thick <laughs> because I feel like I'm taking it back a little bit just because, you know, I got the curves, I got the extra meat, but I'm a very petite person. Um, like I have just have a smaller frame. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think in different conversations, you, you know, being in that middle ground, you take up different spaces and different scenarios. Um, but I think we both have dealt with a lot of body shaming and I think that's relevant at any weight. Um, but we just really want to talk about our experiences, but more importantly, just the general conversation, because it is something we both are very passionate about. We don't think the word fat is a bad word. Um, we don't think being fat is a bad thing. And we really want to talk about why Americans in particular really seem to be so afraid of fat people. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do not stand. Yeah, not, not a fan. Um, it's really interesting because fat has such a negative connotation in society. But the word is not inherently negative. Saying that someone is fat isn't inherently uh, um, an insult. Thank you. You didn't say anything. I'm thanking myself. (laughs) You're welcome. Glad I can provide. (laughs) But it's not inherently an insult. It's just a descriptor. But what causes it to become an insult is this so heavily ingrained fat phobia, um, which a very, very basic definition of fat phobia I feel like it's important for everyone to be on the same page. It's this, the idea that it's it's the fa- fear and or hatred of fatness and fat people. But that's a very, very basic definition. Absolutely. I think something that I think it's interesting because I think the conversation around fat not being a negative word is definitely coming to light more. And I think of it as a lot of things that people are afraid to say out loud like they think they're doing something negative by calling someone by an actual like identifier that they have like telling telling someone that Kimona is black is an identifier that is what she looks like that is who she is and I feel like things like that people have uh like they feel very cringy and like oh I shouldn't say that I shouldn't say that they're black, that they're gay, that they're fat, that they're whatever. They have a disability. I know that comes up a lot in the disability conversation as well. Like there's so much fear um, surrounding this conversation. And I think that's why like this being a phobia is so relevant Um, because maybe not as much so in some of like the other conversations that we had, like biphobia, that is a lot more targeted towards like, hatred and while certainly there's a lot of hatred in the conversation of fatness and fat people um i think phobia is so much more relevant because there is so much based in fear um something i want to talk about um at some point um is just really that you know this concept of thickness in the last um decade i suppose um has really been idealized and people like the Kardashians and Beyonce and people with preferable curves are idealized and women want specifically skinny women want these curvy bodies, but don't want to be fat. 
Like, they want the good things that is trending right now. Like, I think back to, in the 90s, Friends was, like, the sitcom, and the three women in that show that are, like, idealized and being these, supposed to be these very hot, beautiful women are women who are toothpick thin and have absolutely no butt, not much yeah. boob. Like, the ideal body for a woman in the 90s, early 2000s was like, we want you to be a board. And now we're in an era where, okay, now you're supposed to be a perfect pair. You have to have a big boob. They have to big, big boobs. And there has to be a big butt. But you have to have no waist. Bodies rarely look like that. I'm not going to say nobody looks like that. I'm sure some people were blessed. But generally speaking, bodies don't come this way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's really triggered a lot of people to put in unnecessary work and really a lot of obsessions into how their body looks to have, you know, cosmetic surgery. And not that cosmetic surgery is inherently wrong. Right. But I think there's an idealization of a body that isn't yours um, that I think there's a problem with on the grand scheme, uh, that people are, specifically women, are targeted to, like, you're supposed to have a different body than the one you were born with. Yes. And I, when you talk about the earlier, like, like everyone wanting to be a bored body type idea I specifically remember in middle school um like there was a there was a turning point where that stopped being like the idealized body and I only remember it because it went from <laughs> people bullying Kimona and saying oh Kimona you're so fat um to I, I remember a specific day in the locker room because gym class a horrible <laughs> time <laughs> um but there were you know these other skinny little white girls um from my pwi who would look at me and be like wow kimona like i'm jealous of your butt and that had never happened to me before like, like i distinctly have that memory because the the way that bodies should look is so ingrained in just like society and i think about these always like beautiful paintings from way back in the day. Like, are any of these people boards? Do any of these people look like they have perfectly flat tummies and like they're just like perfectly sculpted? No. Those are like just regular women just like chilling out with their roles, man. Why can't we all just chill out with our roles? Exactly. Oh my God. I'd feel much more like a model if we exactly be like, yeah, because. Also, even if you're, like, the skinniest person in the room, if you sit down, you're going to, like, have some, at least skin, <laughs> like, fold yes. over. And then if you're any other normal person, you're going to have some added fat to that. And, like, roles are normal and they're not weird and they certainly aren't weird looking. And for some reason, like, even in an era where we're becoming more body positive, have you noticed that a lot of those body positive influencers and people often wear like say they're going to put on a two-piece bathing suit but they're wearing the high-waisted ones so those tummy tummy rolls are covered mm -hmm. because that's something I notice on the regular and I absolutely support the connotation of like 
okay, you don't like how your stomach looks? Well, that shouldn't make you not wear a bathing suit. Let's find a way to make you more comfortable. Totally love that. But I wish there was more of a push for not covering and hiding and finding ways to like put spanks on under a dress and get rid of all those tummy rolls. Like, why can't why can't you wear a bodycon dress that shows rolls and curves and dents? That's what my body looks like underneath. Yes. I just like yes to all of that. <laughs> it's it's just so odd to me. Especially something that's really sticks out to me about the body positivity movement particularly is how it's almost been I'm gonna go with the word co-opted I am uh into like a movement of like well if you don't love your body and everything about it and all its flaws and there's something wrong with you like it's it's been taken and distorted Definitely. Um, and it's like it's almost become the thing that it was supposed to fight against I mean because I'm going to go with toxic positivity as an issue here, but 100%. I don't know. No, that's definitely a good point because there's this, I feel like that happens with a lot of issues that, especially with social media, that people, and I think God is a really good word for it because people take these movements or these ideas and make it their own. They want it. They think that this positivity is lending to something, maybe are even using it as a platform to, you know, become more popular like oh i do love everybody and everybody follow me (laughs) even though that might not be how they actually live their lives or what they actually believe and i feel like it's turning into something where i no longer know who to believe when i'm getting the information from i'm like do you actually think that or are you just putting on a facade and i think yeah i I like that you use the word co-opted because i really think that the movement has become a little blurry yeah especially i think it's like it's i've seen a lot of brands try to be like oh yeah we're like super like body positive because they include plus sizes automatically instead of having people like have to ask for the brand to include them and they have plus size models but it's also always plus size models who just also have flat stomachs oh like it's still it's this idea of like you have to be sculpted right well exactly because I mean, I I would be a plus size model to those people, and I still I still have a pretty flat stomach. Like you put me in a body con dress, yeah, I might look like I have a three month pregnancy, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't have as many like um, rolls and curves because I am still a relatively small person. So okay, like you're gonna pick the like smallest version of a plus size Mm -hmm. to like cover all your bases um i also like it it makes me think of um i have a friend from back home who is fat and she wears awesome clothes like she totally loves it and loves the body that she's in um and there is a like a local shop that was having a fashion show and she wrote to the owner to say that like I, I have a problem with this because none of your models were plus size or fat or any of this like you only had skinny people um and she was not like she's very very like I want to have an open discussion about this I want to point it out um so you can do better in the future that was where the conversation was 
supposed to be leaving and the owner's response and i hate hate this answer because this comes up in all kinds of conversations of lack of diversity in whatever conversation it is um gender race class um bodies but she the owner had said well we would have gladly had a fat person a plus size person in the fashion show but no one no one auditioned no fat people wanted to be in it and i just don't believe that i don't believe that granted i I grow up i grew up in suburbia so like not a lot of people are i don't want to say not a lot of people are fat but like not a a lot of people are confident in fat because you know that that culture of you're fat you're a problem you're unhealthy whatever it's really ingrained in those you know wealthy white areas but i digress but i just say i hate that i hate that comment of there's just and if that was really true that no fat people um auditioned that's probably because they didn't feel comfortable they didn't feel like there would be clothes for them to wear they didn't think that you would allow them to be in the show that means what you need to do is take her criticism as i noticed that as well and how can i do better to recruit people and make it interesting and allow people of all shapes and sizes, colors and creeds to want to participate in this. And instead she came back with defensiveness, just like we were talking about last week. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, nothing changed and nothing will get better. Yeah. That's because uh, you have to, because people are used to the kind of um, like situation especially in like fashion industries where like you know the sample size is usually like what a size zero or something like that um and like they're expecting that so duh just like do some little do a little outreach outreach is not that hard it's really not that hard to be like hey we're specifically want we specifically want this to be inclusive and represent all the bodies that we want to see in our clothing or something like that. It's right. not difficult. I don't get it. It needs to be included in the marketing and the message to make it very, very clear what you stand for. Um, and that's, and especially in the beginning, if you notice discrepancies in your employees and your models and whatever it is, if you're noticing a homogeny of race, of gender, you need to make it clear of what you stand for and make different people come to you. They have to feel welcome or else you're not going to go there. And I think it's really sad because I think it's a real missed opportunity because, mm-hmm. you know, my friend my friend could have easily just been like, yes, I am a fat person. I will be in your show or I know other fat people or I can tell other people that this is welcome and get the word out. And that's how you make a change, not just saying, no, it's not my fault shut the door like that's just gonna make people not want to participate even more i wouldn't i would say in that i'd walk away i'd be like clearly this is not a place that i would be uplifted and that you were open to criticism so i would just like scoot scoot and no one wants to feel like the you know the token uh mm. in that conversation so clearly it's the same that we always say in these, and specifically, we've talked about it in our race conversations, but it's the same that we always say. If someone points something out to you where you're being prejudiced in, in some kind of way, you need to identify that, acknowledge it, and apologize. 
um, that's how you make change. But coming meeting something with defensiveness is not going to get you anywhere. And there's certainly not going to be any change um, if you're just saying, no, I could never do anything wrong. You must you misunderstood me. You don't get it. I'm not that kind of person. If you knew me better, yada, yada, yada. Yes. And I, I want to emphasize that, especially for people during the holiday season. Oof. Because if someone calls you out because you keep making comments about someone's body, especially during the holidays, uh, or how much food that they're eating or not eating, uh, like, kindly don't be a bitch about it. Please. <laughs> Please. Just, if you are called out about these things... Just um, accept that you have made a mistake that you need to do better uh, and like keep it moving. Let's do that instead of getting all defensive and weird because uh, <laughs> I'm tired of it. There's also just no reason to question someone's like food intake. Mm-hmm. Like obviously there is a time and a place if maybe you're worried that someone's not eating as much as usual or you think they're maybe participating in unhealthy habits. There's a certain way to approach that in the sense of maybe, you know, observing their habits, bringing it up in conversation, but not saying like, oh, I'm worried about your weight or I don't like how you've been eating, blah, 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 blah. Just, you know, approaching the conversation, see what's up with them and see why maybe food is taking that escape. It's not very different than, you know, alcohol or something like that in that kind of conversation. That often food is an easy safety net that when you're in a moment of stress or depression or any normal human emotion, you may be engaging in different eating behaviors. Um and there's certainly an appropriate time to bring that up. And the holiday seasons when you're sitting down at dinner with your family uh, is not the time or place. Mm-mm. And it's also, I would add to that, there's appropriate people to bring that up as well. A hundred percent. Because if you don't see me every day and you, like, if you're not actively in my life, you don't know my eating habits, my patterns, you are not the one to be like, hey, I've noticed this change in a habit of yours. Is everything all right? That No. If you're someone on the internet, especially, I see this a lot, comments on fat people's pages or people when people are like, oh, I'm just worried about your health. No, you're not. You know nothing about this person's health. Are you their doctor? Are you in their family? Do you, have you noticed that they've like stopped exercising like they used to or something? No. And also, like, what food is not the only thing that impacts somebody's health it's a small component it certainly is but i mean you could be a healthy person and still eat processed food sometimes and eat red meat and eat cake i mean in all honesty even and a lot of unhealthy people eat perceived healthy foods eat a lot of vegetables um you know are constantly cooking home-cooked meals those people aren't necessarily healthy um Mm -hmm. I think of a funny example of um I think like middle school or high school I knew someone whose whole family was vegan but they were all and like that was kind of when the vegan movement was going on so it was kind of strange that their whole family was vegan it was kind of a phenomenon um, Mm. and people would talk about it and their whole family was overweight 
and the question was like, okay, well then what is it your whole, the whole purpose of your diet supposedly that you're eating vegetables and that you care about the environment, care about animals and care about being skinny. And of course that's not what veganism is, but that was the perceived um, benefits of being a vegan. And it was because instead of like, so instead of saying, okay, I'm going to eliminate meat and dairy and animal products, instead of substituting that with a healthy range of other proteins and other um, healthy foods, healthy fats, healthy whatever. They were eating a crap ton of carbs and processed foods that were labeled vegan. They weren't having a balanced diet. So there's, you can have all these perceived healthy things and come across on the internet as being super duper healthy or super duper unhealthy, but that is just not a representation of your lived experience and the people that should be approaching you or having these discussions with you, like Kimona said, are people that see you on the regular who would be the only people who could notice a change. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also like thinking about like that story that you just shared. I, I can't help but think about like how people like to also apply morality to food and diet and weight. And I hate it so much because food has no morality inherently all food is morally neutral. And this is something that I've been trying to really like ingrain in my life more and more. Um, I actually, a TikTok came up on my feed one of these days because, you know, <laughs> where else TikTok. come from? <laughs> Will there be an episode where I don't mention TikTok? We'll see. Uh, the same episode <laughs> where you don't say nuance. Mm, mm, you, that, my two favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> Very on brand. <laughs> Um, but there was a TikTok that came up and it was a, a dietitian, or no, that's not what she called herself, a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Registered nutrition? Yes. Registered something. Um, it ha- She has like degrees and certifications and things. <laughs> <laughs> Better people and- to get your information from though, so. Right. Um, and she was talking about eating intuitively and just like I really loved the idea I love the concept of just like you know checking in with your body eating when your body needs to eat and what your body wants and like realizing that food is not good or bad it's just all food um the difference is the nutritional value that you get and like as long as you are balancing out the nutritional values like you'll be all right I totally, I, I totally agree because I really like the concept and something that I, I try to keep in mind um, to maintain healthier habits because I will be the first to admit that I do not have a healthy relationship with food. And, you know, maybe that's part of the reason I like to cook so much and why I have a food blog is because I, I care so deeply about food. We just mm-hmm. have a very tumultuous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to make it very clear, especially when people approach me with the idea of dieting, um, like, oh, well, I should diet or have I heard of this or just talking about it in general sense, um, like, it infuriates me, especially since so many diets are like, don't eat any carbs. Carbs aren't bad for you. Like, where did you come up with that? Also, like, fats aren't bad for you. Mm-hmm. Y'all are eating so much avocado, and that is fat, a big fatty fat food. Um, 
so I think that's really true. There's no, like, it, it's the same of literally anything. Like, is drinking bad? Inherently, no. Like, if you have a glass of red wine every night, you're actually probably benefiting your health um, because things are in moderation. There's there's a reason why scientists and dietitians and nutritionists have, like, figured out serving sizes and how big your glass of wine really should be. It shouldn't be saying, oh, I'm having a glass of red wine tonight. And it's like the whole <laughs> bottle with the straw in it. Um, but I mean, that's a mood, but that's solving a different issue. <laughs> but there's a reason that this this concept exists because it's what really does make sense. Having a balance and having the things that maybe aren't inherently the most nutritious, like cake, you know, that shouldn't be okay. I'm gonna have cake every meal, but mm-hmm. can you have cake every day? Sure as heck you can, as long as you're doing a little bit of everything else. And I think the same goes for this obsession with exercising. Like, should you be exercising every single day, like intensely at the gym? No, that's not good for you. It's not good for your muscles. It's not good for no. I don't support it. I mean, if that's like what makes you happy, and you know, I don't, I don't know. What am I to say? It's a healthier habit than many, but I just don't. You gotta have a rest day in there at least. Absolutely, and it's the same as I don't like the concept of a cheat day either, because you shouldn't be binging and then, especially then attributing then, okay, oh, on your cheat day, what are you having? French fries and pasta and cake. You shouldn't then be attributing those as the foods that I'm not supposed to eat, and I only get it as a reward. The best way to eat is eating what makes you happy when your body needs it. Um, And I think that that's really important. I think there's a lot to say about, you know, scheduling meals and eating at a specific time every day. But I think at the same time, you know, you shouldn't punish yourself for not being hungry and maybe eating lunch two hours later or having a lighter lunch. Um, At the same time, though, you shouldn't have to force yourself to eat or limit yourself to not eating if your body wants it you should be able to give it to yourself in a in moderation yeah absolutely and I think this when I first stumbled on the idea of eating intuitively uh, I immediately started thinking of college because I'm not saying that my college experience and time was like the best eating habits of my life absolutely not but I think it did help me realize that there are certain foods that I actually really appreciate um, that I needed to put more effort into incorporating into my diet. I distinctly remember that sometimes my friends and I would turn to them and just be like, I'm just really craving a vegetable right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there would be those days that I'm like, wow, I could really go for some Brussels sprouts. And it's... It, because some foods, I mean, I don't tell me you're a Brussels sprouts hater. I love Brussels sprouts. Oh, thank God. I thought you were about to tell me that you were. The, genuinely, there are only two things I don't like in the world, like food-wise. There's some things that I like would prefer not to have, but the only two things that I won't eat are olives and jelly beans. Interesting. I don't want them the in my vicinity. Beans. I don't want them in my vicinity. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> they upset me. <laughs> I agree with the olives. Um, 
olives might be the only morally bad food in my book. Yeah, olives are <laughs> olives are morally bad. I that is my I I don't plan on being buried, but if I had a tombstone, that's the one. Olive morally bad. I love it. Just, Big fan of that. To surprise no one, I plan on being cremated and then made into a tree. Wait. Really? Yeah, I want because I want to be made into a tree. Make me a tree. Make me a tree. I wow, I that just made me This is why we're friends. <laughs> I actually know a lot of people who like are into that and I don't think it's actually that attainable, but I like the idea of one not spending a lot of money on a funeral and I like I think that's weird and I also don't want to be buried. That's it's creepy. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know why I'm talking about it. you know it's it's okay we digress a lot it happens so fatness uh (laughs) it's cool whether you're fat or not live your life live your life Alrighty. so to talk more about like fatness in a scientific way um I know something that comes up a lot in the conversation of people who are like anti, um, you know, referring to fatness as a bad thing um, and like really taking back and spinning the word fat to be a positive attribute, to be a word that you're comfortable identifying as. Um, Conversation of uh, BMI, body mass index, is something that comes up a lot. And it's something I'm quite familiar with, actually, because of the research that I've done in the, you know, scientific spaces that I've worked in in the past. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of issues. Um, oh, so many. BMI is, you know, for the basic gist, it's based on your gender, your height, and your weight. Um, so they provide a number of basically what kind of health you're at are you healthy are you overweight are you obese um and i'll be the first to say that it's very uncomfortable because again although i am not skinny i am not fat and i don't think the general person looking at me would think i'm a fat person however my bmi indicates that i am definitely in the overweight category um and that's very unsettling to me because if i'm overweight then who's someone 10 pounds heavier than me, you know? And I think that's what's very overwhelming as well is because based on your height, you're supposed to be in this range of healthy weight. But like you lose, if someone's five pounds heavier than me, five pounds heavier than that, whatever, like you're quickly turning into a space of being healthy to overweight to obese. And I just don't think that's a fair assessment. I don't think me 10 pounds heavier puts me in a dangerous health um, or someone 10 pounds lighter than me is significantly healthier. I just don't think that's true. Yep. I have so many issues with BMI. Um, The first, like my entire life based on BMI, I've been overweight. Okay. The only time that I have ever been within the uh like appropriate quote-unquote weight for my height is 
my first semester of college when I was so depressed that I did not eat. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that is the only time I've been at a healthy weight. So if this is trying to tell me that my healthy weight is when I don't fuel my body, uh, something's wrong. A hundred percent. Like, that's a good point, actually, because not like actually, oh, my God, come on. <laughs> no, just actually as in a light bulb just came on in my head. I very well would have been considered in the healthy range of my weight at, for my height when I was anorexic. So tell me how my BMI is representative of my health when I, too, was not eating. It doesn't make sense. Uh, And it's also racist. Oh, extremely. The BMI BMI is super racist for many reasons um, in its application, but also like the guy who made it. I don't know how to say his name. I'm not going to lie here, but it looks like Quetlet. Quetlet? Let me see. Scroll down in these notes and try to pronounce this word. Adult quetetlet. Yeah, that man. (laughs) I don't know why we're supposed to like pretend like we know how to say white people's names, but like they're hard. Listen, I got Chichov. Never mind. I don't. I don't have Tychovsky. Tychovsky. Never mind. At first, I didn't even know what you were trying to say. Yeah, I. You know the one that starts with a T. I don't know how to say Emily. Emily Rajatowski. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's always the example people say when people are like, "I can't say this Nigerian name," and you're like, "But you can say this ridiculous Russian name." But I can't say these. It just. I'm a Dostoevsky. I got one. <laughs> Listen, my name spelled weird. I I get it. <laughs> but this man, Quetetlet, I know that's wrong, but I really enjoy calling him that. Um he fully was a, a racist and also not a doctor. Uh and he is the one who came up with VMI. So like just let that sit with you. Not a doctor, a racist man. He's basically um like people view him as like one of like the fathers. Ew, I don't like calling people fathers of things. I don't know why. Um, but he did a lot of work in phrenology. So basically, Ugh. like you know, people's skull sizes proves that black people are inherently dumb, and it's science, except it's not. Uh, so I don't really trust the things that came from him. Listen, that's that's <laughs> a trend of science. People need to stop. Although I I don't want to allow anyone to think to be a conspiracy theorist and say that science is fake and climate change isn't real. However, when you're looking at further back uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. scientific research, I mean, all these people who are anti-vax are all basing their research on a, a man who literally made up his research on purpose. Like, he knew he was lying when he created it to say that vaccines created people to have autism. He's just a straight-up liar, and people believe him because, but it's science. I'm sure those are the same people who don't want to wear masks, so they don't really care about science. Yeah, it's why it's important to um, hold people accountable, too. Just because they have a credential does not mean that they know what they're talking about. And that's why things are supposed to be peer-reviewed. Whoa, it's wild. It makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, BMI also BMI was not even supposed to be used on an individual basis. So like this man didn't even intend for it to be used the way that it's used today. The point was he was trying to because what did he study? Like I don't know, sociology ish types of things. Yeah, he studied a lot of things: astronomy, math, statistics, and sociology. So like Man's just trying to figure life out. He was not out here trying to be like, <laughs> y'all are fat. Like, no. Um, and he was trying to use BMI as a way to like measure just like general like statistics of whole populations, like groups of people. It, it's not supposed to be about like you individual. This is because I guess, you know, make it make sense. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this man. Yeah, I feel like this episode we're particularly scattered because we're just generally upset by the world. <laughs> Did people not catch on that that's the point of this podcast? We are generally <laughs> upset with the world. Let's talk about it. Rebels Advocate. Amen. <laughs> New intro. Um, yeah, for sure. That's I think that's uh, relevant in a lot of conversations too that, you know, things that people take as wholehearted truth um, often are again co-opted to create a movement that it's no longer relying on what it really was for. Um, so I think that's really important to acknowledge that you know this wasn't meant to be representative of individual body types. And again, if, if things don't adapt with the times, you're not taking into account a whole lot of things. Um, I'm sure that when this was going on, that fast food wasn't readily available and you know, mm-hmm. the understanding of food insecurity uh, just wasn't as seen as it is now and as research. And trust me, I, I wrote my thesis um, to get my degree <laughs> on food insecurity. Trust me when I say that food insecurity is grossly under-researched. Um, it's kind of horrifying. But so many components of the now everyday American life is just not considered. So why are you using an archaic system that cannot represent what it means to be healthy now? Because it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing to talk about, like, in terms of BMI is just race and how, you know, there is history and science behind being bodies looking and being different depending on um, the color of your skin. And that's not to say that it's because of the color of your skin, but more so of your genetics and your background and maybe how your body is built. Um, I just know that you put some good notes in our our doc if you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I was doing a bit of research if you will um and i stumbled across this npr interview um and they were real, they were just talking about all the problems with bmi and how it in its application is so 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 racist because it doesn't account for genetic differences cultural differences environmental influences so things like food insecurity or living in a food desert like none of these things are taken into account and then um, just also this idea specifically with black women that 
based on studies from like the 80s that have been proven uh there's black women just kind of I don't know. We 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 win the system basically. We tend to be healthier at heavier weights. It happens. Um, <laughs> Listen, we we don't know the science. We're just here to tell you what's what. Which makes sense to me because just you know from walking around the world, seeing it with my own eyes, like yep, this this tracks. Uh, it makes sense. Um, so stop using BMI, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that that makes sense. I mean to revisit your your middle school girls telling you that you have a big butt. I mean, for what I've observed in the world as well, like I, I'm more often than not, if I'm seeing someone with like a big booty, it's not often a white girl. <laughs> and I mean, of course, that's not to say that it can't be the other way around. Uh, but I think that's. You know, and of course, if you have big breasts or big boobs, oh, God, mm. those are the same things, breasts and boobs, <laughs> um, a big butt. Why does everything start with a B? Uh, Words are hard. If it's you okay. are well endowed, <laughs> that's going to come with weight, baby. Like, especially when, you know, for me, when I gain weight, I gain weight in my thighs and my booty. And, you know, if you got a big butt, you're gonna weigh more. Like, that's just what it is. I don't think people talk about big boobs enough. <laughs> I always thought, I mean, um, we'll just talk about my boobs here, guys. I always, because I come from a family of very large-breasted women, um, I was always told that I was flat-breasted. So, even now, when I am... What? Yeah, she's looking at me like I'm crazy. Because my, I'm not flat-chested at all. <laughs> I have... I have Small big boobs and big small boobs <laughs> is the way I like to think. Nice, <laughs> because I'm not I'm not gonna have back issues quite yet, but my boobs are large, um, and that came with weight gain when I was unhealthy, when I was a child, like when I was thin and not in my actual body yet. And I firmly believe in that statement that. I just wasn't in my actual body yet. That wasn't who I was. That wasn't who I meant to be. Granted, could I lose some weight? Sure. But like, I believe that my homeostasis, where my body is always going to come back to, is this body that is a little more meaty. And I'm okay with that. And I'm and not to say that I don't have a lot of problems with it. I, I mean, I'm constantly recovering from eating problems. I said that I have a bad relationship with food and have experienced eating disorder in the past. And that's something that you don't really just get over one day. It's a constant learning. And the same way that most conversations we have here on this podcast is constant learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was, this is another TikTok reference. Ew, I hate me. <laughs> At least the people know what they're gonna get on the podcast. <laughs> I'm consistent. What can I say? Um, but I did come across a TikTok recently where someone was like found out like that their boobs alone account for like twelve to eighteen pounds of their body weight. Listen, that's and what my mom always says when she's trying to lose weight. She's like, if I just didn't have boobs, I'd be fine. 
<laughs> and but she's like, not wrong. They're there. They're part of it. Like, I feel like nobody talks about that. Especially, I'm thinking about, like, all these little girls going through puberty who are, like, being bombarded with this idea you gotta, like, stay skinny or whatever. Like, no, if you're going through puberty, you're gonna gain weight because you're gonna get, like, boobs and curves. And that just doesn't magically appear without weight. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we should wrap up this conversation. People probably don't want to listen to these hour-long podcasts. But we have so much to say. Guess we'll just, maybe we'll do a part two one day. Who knows? We definitely could because I think it's really relevant to how... um, potentially have a fat person talk about their own experience as living in a fat body and you know how that makes them feel and also I think as something I'm kind of surprised I haven't talked about my relationship with food a lot uh, because I think that is kind of valuable Um, so I would love to revisit this conversation again and I think a lot of people can relate to this no matter what body they have yeah I agree well tune in for an eventual part two you know, I guess you could follow us on Instagram um, at Rebels Advocate Pod if you want to stay up to date for whenever we do get around to part two and just our next episodes. Um, and on Twitter, we are at Rebels ADV Pod. Yes, those are the correct ones this time. <laughs> um, yeah, and next episode, we'll be back with a holiday special that is. Kimona is very excited for and I, I I'm it's the holidays so <laughs> we are super ready and hopefully Kimona's Christmas present will be at her at her home for her to open on this podcast because oh, so cute adorable relationships we love it oh it did arrive so I did arrive sitting in my what I'll open it for you <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so we will have a little holiday special so we can obviously we're going to just talk about more things that are wrong with the world but in holiday fashion amen jingle bells playing in the background the whole time (laughs) well thank you for listening to this crazy rambling rant we love to have you and we will see you next tuesday bye-bye